Good morning. Let's pray. Uh, God, thank you. This text is incredible. Your son is incredible. I feel like I have a faint spirit, so I pray that you would come and help me and help us, God, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim <coughs> liberty to the captives. We look to you, God, for your power. Amen. So today's going to be a little different. Um, we're going to do some preaching, and then toward the end, we're going to, and we're, during response time, we're going to pray for and with one another. All right, so just follow my lead in that. Um, I do feel faint of spirit. I had six pages of notes yesterday that felt like garbage to me. So I just kind of reset and said, God, what do you want from us? What do you want us to do? And this got reduced to two and a half pages and something else. So I'm trusting this from him and for us. We're going to go. So I do want to touch base about Isaiah here a bit. We are in the book of Isaiah. And again, it's another just great passage. We're going to slow down here in Isaiah 61. I'm only going to go through a couple verses and really just highlight really verses 1 and 3 in this passage. And then we're going to slowly march through this passage uh, or through this chapter because there's a lot there. 61. Verse 1 through 4, Jesus' voice comes through here in the first person. Here's what I mean. There's been a handful of times in the book of Isaiah where it's clearly the word of Jesus. Now, the whole Bible is the word of God. And in one sense, if you were to, you familiar with the red letter Bible concept where it's like when Jesus talks, it's in red letters? Well, in one sense, the whole Bible should be red letters, right? But I get what they're trying to do. They're saying, this is, this is Jesus speaking, red letters. So all I'm saying is if we're going to go with that, then these are red letters, there's times when Jesus' voice comes through in the first person. So if you remember, let me show you this. Back in Isaiah 53, here's Jesus being talked, to, talked about in the third person, right? He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Isaiah 56 says a similar thing this way. This is Jesus speaking. I gave my back to those who strike. Oh, who's that? And my cheeks to those who pull out the beard. I hid not my face from disgrace and spinning. So sometimes it's God the Father talking right through Isaiah, and sometimes it's God the Son coming out, first person. That's what's happening here. And here's what he says. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me. Now, one of the ways that I know this is Jesus is because of what he says he's going to do. He's going to bind up the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty to the captives, open the prison to those who are bound. He's going to give us gladness instead of mourning. This is not Isaiah speaking. This is Jesus. Here's another way we know. If you go to Luke 4, this is the New Testament, Jesus comes out. He's baptized by the Spirit. We'll take a look at that too. And he goes out and he starts his ministry. And one of the, one of the things he does is he comes to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. And he unscrolled the scroll and found the place, Isaiah 61. Back then they didn't have numbers, but that's where he went. He goes, I know where I want to go. And he scrolled through to the passage that we're in in Isaiah. Where it was written, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives. Right? Sound familiar? And then He rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And all the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on Him. All right, what are you going to teach us? And He said to them, Today the Scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. <laughs> now, there's a little more interchange between him and these teachers in Luke 4, but eventually, here's where it goes. When they heard these things, all in the synagogue were filled with wrath. Why? Because they know the scriptures are God-breathed, and Jesus sits down and says, that's me. It's fulfilled. I, the Spirit of the Lord, is upon me. I am the Messiah. I am the Christ. I proclaim captivity. Liberty to the captives. I bind up the brokenhearted. And instead of saying, oh, yes, Jesus, we need you, their hearts are hardened. They're cut to anger and wrath. And they rose up 
and drove them out of town and brought them brought to the brow of the hill on which their town was built so they could throw him down off the cliff. That is response time. <laughs> I've never really preached a good sermon. No one's ever tried to throw me off a cliff. They're just like, oh, nice message, Pastor. I'm like, it's powerless. He preached such that they wanted to throw him off a cliff. Now listen to this. But passing through their midst, he went away. Have you ever, you know, thought of the idea like, man, if I had a time machine, where would you want to go? You want to go see dinosaurs or you maybe want to go to the future? I want to see that. They're trying to throw him off the cliff. And then what is the move? What does that look like? It just passes through their midst and went away. It reminds me of this passage in John, maybe 10 or so, when the officers are sent to arrest Jesus, right? And then he confounds them and they come back. Without him, and, and, you know, their authorities are like, where's Jesus? We sent you to arrest him. And they're like, no man ever spoke like this. You know, I, I picture him like, I am not the Christ you're looking for. You know, it's like. <laughs> the point is this. I was meditating on this this morning. You, what power God has, it, do, it wouldn't take anything for him to give that crowd a spirit of confusion and for him to just walk through their mist and go away. God is powerful. This is the voice of Jesus. So let's just linger on some of these things here. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. So, Matthew 3, Jesus is baptized. Remember, so this again, early in his ministry. Before he goes to Nazareth and reads this scroll, he is empowered for ministry. How? By being anointed by the Holy Spirit. When Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending upon him like a dove, coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Now here's the thing. We need delivered. We need unbound. We need saved. We need healed. We are, in our essence, apart from God, poor, brokenhearted, captive, bound, mourning, and ashes, and faint of spirit. And who can fix this? Can you? No, I can't. And this is why, like yesterday, God really brought me to a place of being faint in my spirit to say, you can't help these people, Don. Look, I have a call, but it's not to bind up your heart. I can't. And so I'm not saying we, we don't teach and we don't preach and we will continue doing this. But I just feel like today God said, get out of the way more than usual. Because the Spirit of the Lord is upon Jesus. Like he is the Savior. The Holy Spirit. In if Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, needed the Holy Spirit for his ministry. Come on. We do. I do. And it comes through him. And it rests upon him. And when the Spirit descends on Jesus, the Father says, I am pleased in this man. And there's a lot to that. We've taught on that before. But here's the question. Why is the Father pleased? John 10 tells us this. For this reason the Father loves me. Because I lay down my life. That I might take it up again. I'm going to die. And he says this, right? No one takes it from me. By a laid down of my own accord, at any moment, he can slip through the crowds and escape them. But when he determines on his own authority and power, it is time to die. Why? To proclaim liberty to the captives. To bind up the brokenhearted. To display his love. This is a display of the love of God. The death of Christ is the love of God. The Father sees the Son's willing death. He says, I am pleased in this. This is the center of all God's power. The center of his good proclamation of good news to the poor and to the weak. Jesus says, greater love has no man than this. This is in John 15. He's sitting with his friends, right? And he says this. Greater love has no man than this. What's that, Jesus? That someone lay down his life for his friends. What are you insinuating? That I'm going to lay down my life for you. That's what I'm insinuating. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon Jesus. Why? Because the Lord has anointed me 
to bring good news to the poor. So let's talk about this idea of being anointed. In the Old Testament, when a king was set up, maybe if you remember when, maybe when King David was established as king, he was anointed. It's literally ointment or oil. They would pour oil on his head, right? And the oil was a symbol of God's favor, God's approval, but mostly God's spirit, right? Because if David is going to rule, he needs the spirit, right? Same with Jesus, right? So this idea of anointment, this anointment is the spirit. Jesus never had oil poured on his head as far as we know. Why? He had the spirit directly descend upon him. The oil is a symbol. The spirit is the reality. The oil is kind of like communion, right? The bread and the cup. It's a symbol. Christ is the reality. He is the substance. The spirit is that which the ointment points toward. It's the actual spirit. And he's going to be empowered by the spirit to bring good news to the poor. So good news, right? Tim Keller talks about the gospel being good news versus instruction. It's news versus instruction. Instruction is law. Instruction is what you must do. Instruction is burden. Everyone's giving you instruction. The news are giving you instruction. The universe is giving you instruction. You wake up day by day giving yourself instruction. And I think that, again, yesterday, that's part of where I just brought to, like, I'm done here because I, how do I do this, God? What do I do? What do I say? And he said, shut up. After about 20 minutes. Give me, give me. I got a little something for you. But you get this burdensome. Instruction. I don't need more instruction. I see Mormons coming to my door with instruction. I don't need that. I need news. And what's the news? It's what he has done. Listen to this. The Son of Man came, came not to be served. That's instruction. I'll give you instructions on how to serve me. So God comes, oh, you're all going to serve me. I'm going to give you instructions. Like, he could do that. But our God won't. And he comes with news. I, did, I came not to be served, but to serve. That's the good news. He serves. How so? By laying down my life as a ransom for many. So right there's the essence of the gospel that Christ dies for us. He lays down his life. His body is broken. His blood is poured out. We are forgiven, adopted. And then 10,000 charms some of which are listed here. What? A beautiful headdress? The oil of gladness? The garment of praise? This is what he's bringing to us. We go from being poor and bound and captive and in ashes and in mourning and brought to a place of a beautiful headdress, right? And an oil of gladness and a garment of praise that we may be called oaks of righteousness, unmovable. That's good news. And he's preaching this good news to the poor. Now, who are the poor? Is it the poor financially? It's poor in spirit. How do I know? We've learned a little bit about Hebrew um, parallelism in the Bible, right? He'll, he'll say a sentence, and then the next sentence rhymes meaning, not sound, right? Rhymes meaning. I came to bring good news to the poor. Next line. To bind up the brokenhearted. Now, often the poor are brokenhearted. Why? Because they're stripped of the illusion that this is their home. That's why Jesus says it's harder for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven than it is for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. Right? So the poor are often quicker to be brokenhearted. But these are the poor. Are you brokenhearted? Do you need bound up? Well, the Spirit is upon Jesus to do that, to bind you up. He's the poor in spirit as we sing in the song, Come Ye Sinners. Here's the poor. Come ye sinners, poor and needy, weak and wounded, sick and sore. Are you sick and sore? Come ye weary, heavy laden, <laughs> lost and ruined by the fall. That's who he came to. Those who are bound, those who are captives. Now, here's the thing. Think about this. I'm opening the prison. I'm proclaiming the opening of the prison to those who are bound. Did Jesus come and, like, abolish prisons? Is that what he did? He went on, a, like, a prison raid? He abolished prison. That's what he's talking about. Prisons are a picture and a shadow. And one day he'll handle that. 
but the prison, to be captive. Paul tells us that in our sin, we are captured by the snare of the devil to do his will, right? And there's this sense where we are responsible for our sin, and we can talk about that. But there's another sense in where we are captive. We are brokenhearted, and we are weak. Do you remember some of Jesus' last words on the cross were this, what? Father, forgive them. They, don't know, they know not what they do. They're blind. They're captive. They're ignorant. They don't see. There's a level of compassion and pity. Is God angry at sin? Yes. And he's compassionate with sinners. He's complex. But the last words matter. Is God angry at sin? Yes. Why weren't those some of Jesus' last words? Because mercy conquers. Grace conquers. God is love. God isn't anger. It's not his essence. God is merciful. That's what he is. It's full of pity. And just imagine like all the chaos in the world right now. What is your default emotion toward that? My default emotion is anger. I get really angry at all the chaos and all the division and all the strife. And I think God wants me and you to come to a place where we join him in his compassion. They know not what they do. They don't know what they're doing. They're brokenhearted, little orphans. There's a story of this man named Hiru Onoda. He's a Japanese soldier in World War II. And he ended up, post-war, staying his post in the Philippines for 30 years. Because he did not know the war was over. One day he found a leaflet left behind by islanders which read, The war ended in 15th August. Come down from the mountains. However, him and his team distrusted the leaflet. They concluded it was Allied propaganda. Toward the end of 1945, leaflets were dropped by air with a surrender order printed on them from one of their generals. Anoda's group studied the leaflet closely to determine if it was genuine and decided it was not. In 1952, letters and family pictures were dropped from an aircraft urging them to surrender, but the three soldiers concluded that this was a trick. On 20th February 1974, 30 years later, he's still there. Onoda met a Japanese man, Norio Suzuki, who was traveling, traveling around the world looking for Lieutenant Onoda, a panda, and the abominable snowman in that order. <laughs> Onoda and Suzuki became friends, but Onoda still refused to surrender, saying that he was waiting for orders from a superior officer. Eventually, Suzuki made contact with the superior officer and Major Yoshimi Taniguchi, who had long surrendered, came to Lubang Island in the Philippines, met with Onoda, and fulfilled a promise he had made back in 1944, whatever happens, we'll come back for you. And he issued the surrender orders, and Onoda surrendered. Now, here's the point of that story. Like, Onoda's beliefs led him to be against those who would come to help him. Like, he had constructed this whole false reality, Right? And God is not out to trick us, right? He is telling us the war is over. Like, I have conquered. And the Spirit of the Lord is upon me to bind up the brokenhearted. So come to me. I'm not tricking you. I come to offer my love full and unbound. We are confused and brokenhearted. God wants to bind up your heart. How? Well, in many ways. Number one, by demonstrating his love in the death of Christ. That's his love. There's a, again, in that song, Come Ye Sinners, it says this. See him. There's Jesus in the garden. See him prostrate, right, like bent down in the garden. On the ground, your maker lies. On the bloody cross, behold him. Sinner, will this not suffice? That question. Is it not enough? Like we come to God with our pleas and our cries. And in one sense, I think he calls us just to look back. Don't question my love for you. I'm not here to trick you. Look at your maker on the ground. Behold him on the bloody cross. Will this not suffice? And then he gives more. He pours out his oil of gladness upon us. So right, this idea of this oil that God is going to give us is the oil of gladness is that we get the spirit. The Spirit of God is upon him. He's enthroned. He's powerful. He's the Son of God. He rules. And as Joe was mentioning earlier, we sit with him. We're seated with him. And we rule. And we have the Spirit. 
The difference between us and Christ is that we carry around this flesh, this sinful flesh that Jesus doesn't. And so we can continue to be bound. We're free, but bound. We mourn, though we should rejoice. We're, we're in this in-between world, right? So the reality is we're adopted. We're, it is finished, right? Christ has sealed the victory. But we, like Onoda, continue to spin tails. And he wants to set us free from those tails. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to enter a time of response. It's going to be a little different. Let me invite the musicians and, uh, up, and we're going to take communion like normal. So hopefully you got a communion cup on the way in. If not, they are available uh, by the entrance over there on the table. And go to this place, right? This is the, where Jesus demonstrated the love of God by giving up his body and giving up his blood dying for us, purchasing for us a beautiful headdress and the oil of gladness, right? And to bring us to a place where we become oaks of righteousness. This is where it happened, the decisive moment. So with, by yourself or family or friends, like pray and, and remember. And then I want to ask you this, to ask God where you need him to bind you, right? Because you've been brokenhearted. What are the things that he's calling you to release to him? What are the things you still feel captive to? And we're going to spend some time now. I want you to ask God for that. And then I'm going to come back up here, and we're going we're gonna to minister to one another. And we're going to do something a little different. Today I've asked Glenn to bring a little bit of oil. Right? Now, depending on your church background, this may be familiar to you. Uh, it may not. That's fine. But here's the thing. James says this. If any of you is sick, and I would add, or brokenhearted, or bound, or a faint spirit, call the elders of the church and have them anoint you with oil and pray for you. And so we're just going to trust God for that. This is a symbol. The oil is not magic. It's like communion. The bread is not magic, right? But it's a plea, right, that God would help us believe and see in the reality of the blood of Christ on our behalf. The oil is not magic, but it's a confession that we need the spirit. That's what it is. Okay, so I'll come back up and lead us through that, and what it'll look like is I'll just ask you know, do you feel like you need prayed for something? And all you got to do is raise your hand and stand up, and we'll ask for people around you. We'll have Glenn anoint you, and we'll have people around you pray. So let's go. To, let's respond. Here's the thing. Like, is there any brokenheartedness? Is, does Jesus have any work to do here? Or should we just cut out now? Because he stands ready. Is there anything for him to do here? Or just come to hear me? I think he's got work to do. So let's respond. And he's not trying to trick us. Okay? Let me pray. God, thank you for, <laughs> for you. So come and minister to us. Amen.
God, teach us to venture on you. I love that command. Venture on you, venture holy. Pray that you would break down our, our inhibitions, places where we don't want to venture holy, that you would show us your trustworthiness and your goodness, your charms. Pray you would charm us. God, win us with goodness, love, and power. Chase out fear, inhibition. These are the bindings of Satan, God, and they're not, they're not for your children. So I pray that you would release, God, teach us to venture on you. We love you, and we ask that you would come. Jesus, you are anointed. The Spirit of the Lord is upon you to minister to the world and to your people. So we invite your presence right now. Amen. Let's go ahead and have a seat. We're going to, like I said, spend some time just seeking the Lord together and praying and ministering over one another. Maybe to get us started, um, Eric Hansen, you like to share a little bit? Yeah, can we get that mic, Justin? Yeah. Tess. Yeah, I, I mentioned to, I, I guess I'll wait for that. There we go. I mentioned to Glenn um, recently that I said, hey, you have no idea how impactful it was. I want you to know when you prayed for me after church a few weeks ago, it really had an effect both on my heart, my sick heart, and my sick body. Um, I had my body-wise, which we were talking, we were chit-chatting, and church was kind of over, and I just said, hey, here's what's going on. Um, I had a pinched nerve in my back that it was horrible. I've had back things go out before, and... Um, it was several weeks of chiropractic adjustments. Nothing seemed to help. I was having a really hard time sleeping at night and working. And it's kind of, I told Glenn, like, well, let's, would you mind praying for my back? I'm, I'm having a hard time concentrating even right now. Like, so um, we talked a little bit. And in his prayer for me, he just, a couple things happened for my body. I just want to give a testimony to the fact that I may be a little bit skeptical towards healing prayer, even though I think it's happened one other time, specifically in my life. Separate story. But I felt it like it got warm, and I was skeptical as I was feeling it, like felt tingle down my arm. My arm had been, I'd been worried if I had a heart problem because it was had its own numbness and tingling. But it was a good tingling, and it was weird. It was like getting hot down my back, and I felt a release a real release of pain, and I was skeptical. I'll come back to my heart condition. After the prayer, Glenn said, how does it feel now? And I said, well, it's better. I, it'll probably come. I mean, I was just still skepticizing, right? And um, it, fact, fact on the pinched nerve pain, it was released. It did come back, but to like 20%. It was at uh, overheating but that's it. And from there, that week, it just kind of dwindled away after that. So I'm, I'm completely convinced that responding to, I think God pricking my heart, that there's Glenn. He's like, ask him to pray for you. And that, that God healed me in that moment from that pinched nerve. I, I would say that to anybody. So um, thanks for Glenn. Thanks, God, for healing me. I, through Glenn's desire to heal people, while Glenn was praying, my heart and, and this is a challenge. Well, my heart, he said something effective, like, if there's anything Eric has with you um, that he needs to confess or, or release. And the thing that came to mind is a theme over my life that um, I tend to have several categories in my life where I, things may seem out of control or the outcome isn't what I'm desiring, and I will want to increase control. When I felt like God was saying, in that prayer in a new way, like, let that go, like, lead and model, but don't try to always, like, control or need a certain outcome, and to me, it was sin and a, a sick heart condition, and I did. It's part of the prayer, and I don't know how that was connected to actually being healed, whether there's a relationship or not. I don't know, but I feel like God made a serious inroad on that sin issue um, in my life at that moment. Um, and, and one other, they didn't pay me to say this part of the message, 
But, yeah. you know, I'm part of prayer team, and recently we were, I was like, you know what, we used to, the pastoral team, the elders would, during response time, we would just go find people. And so I was saying, let's do that today. And I, we hadn't been doing that. Um, and, and anyway, this is a charge as one of your leaders to, like, don't throw away the response time, the after service. Don't throw that away. And I think a lot of us tend to just, it's time to socialize. And it feels awkward to break up the conversation. Like, you know what, I actually am going to go get prayed for. Um, so anyway, that, during that space, I was walking through here. It's like, Lord, who, do I, who should I pray for? And he, like, turned my head. And I saw a friend um, sitting with one of his kids. And I felt like that was the dude. And I went over, chit-chat. Hey, I'm, I wonder if I can pray for you. And out came, bleh. And he brought his wife over, and there were tears. And he's like, I'm so glad you prayed, you came over. Like, this was an ordained moment. And I just thought, wow, I was this close to just sitting back there in the corner. And you're like, yeah, we just prayed together. No one, it was another Sunday where there wasn't a need. And this is my challenge to you as one of your leaders. Like, we're all, we all come here dressed up. Um, But it's a veneer. And underneath that veneer, like, I look nice today, don't I? But it's, right. a, it's a veneer. Underneath this getup is a sick and needy person. And we all are sick and needy if we're just honest with ourselves. So we're setting up prayer team. Like, we, we need prayer. Be honest with yourself. Ask for prayer. That's what, it's part of what we're doing here. That's the thing. So, and it does have a real effect on your heart and your body. I, I'm absolutely convinced. Um, so hopefully that's helpful. There you go. Amen. Thank you. It may be connected. James says, it being the healing in the sin that you were talking about. Um, James 5.16 says, therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. There are times that things that we are holding back from the Lord are preventing healing. Um, I was just struck as you were sharing, Eric, about like even as God is working, you're doubting. And it's literally like that story of that Japanese so- soldier, right? They're like, I'm here. It's over. And they're like, no, it's not. Like, I'm healing. No, it's not true. So, um, yeah. Someone else recently mentioned to me that they felt compelled to share what God had done in their life. And they didn't. And they wish they had. And, um, and, you know, that's all right. There's grace for that. But God wants us to share and proclaim what he's doing and be an encouragement to one another. He wants us to arise and go to him. He wants us to act. Now, Jesus is seated on the throne. He's the king. He reigns. The spirit is upon him. And then he gives us the spirit, and we are a priesthood of all believers. We can minister to one another, right? So this is what we're going to do. Yeah, we'll have prayer time after, but we're going to seek God for one another. Like, does anyone here feel bound? Like, you don't have to name things. You can if you like. But are you, are you bound? Do you need Jesus to release you from something? And you know the specifics. We all have the specific temptations and specific strongholds and beliefs. Like, who here is, feels like you have ashes and you want a headdress? If that's you, I just want you to stand up. Just stand up where you are, and we'll have Glenn anoint you, and we'll ask for the people around you. This is a priesthood of all believers, right, to come to you and, and, and just surround them in prayer. So we've got a couple here, Glenn. Name things if you like. Jesus knows. You don't have to wait for Glenn. If you see someone around you standing, these are your people. Surround them with the love of God, embodied by you. Glenn, you're going to have to double time it, buddy. You need that oil of gladness. Those of you who are sitting around, um, it's good. You know, lift the, you don't have to be laying hands on someone to pray. You can pray over the whole room. You can identify someone specifically you want to pray for. Maybe you want to ask God to continue to search your heart for where you need him to release you. Maybe it's that you just doubt he will, that you've been carrying something for months or years and you think that's it that's you for life 
Sometimes that's true. God gives us thorns and that's what we walk with. But sometimes he releases them. And he says, it's done. The season has come to an end. So maybe that's you. Something you want released from. Maybe there's a particular relationship that has just taken a root of bitterness and anger and unforgiveness, and it's a poison, and you want to release that to the Lord. Maybe it's a physical healing. God, we'd be pleased to release a pain or a illness that you carry. And again, as, as people stand, just surround them and pray. And You don't have to wait for Glenn. Remember, the, the oil is a symbol. We have a spirit. The spirit is here and present among us. And it's not too late to come. Maybe you don't know Jesus. Maybe that's, you're literally captive. You've been captured by the snare of the devil to do his will and you have yet to come to Christ I I met a man today who said I didn't bow the knee until 2017 and I was just compelled by that the way he put it to bow the knee like and it's a joy it seems like we don't want to bow but to bow before Christ the king of heaven who has charms for you who gives forgiveness maybe you've been waiting maybe You've been hesitant, you've been lurking, you've been questioning. Maybe you think you don't deserve God. Well, in your sin you don't, but He is merciful. So maybe that's your prayer that you want to confess Him as King. And don't keep that one to yourself. We want to know. God, we thank you for your work that you are releasing the body and help us as leaders to see how to activate that more and fulfill our roles, but also get out of the way and let your spirit move and lead. You are the one with power to bind, to proclaim, to loosen, to give beautiful headdresses, give the oil of gladness, spirit of joy. praise you. We thank you. We pray that you would be working powerfully here. God, I pray for those I know there's always someone who is hesitant, a spirit of hesitation and fear, and they don't want to be seen. And that's okay, God. They come to you, I pray, in the secret of their heart. that They would come and be seen by you, that you see them. You see them in their pain and their isolation and even their fear and their hesitation and that you would win them, that you would show them, that you would charm them, right? That you would break free those bounds, things that are keeping them back. God, we just love you. Be with us as we continue to worship. I'm going to step out of the way here and kind of let Joe take over, but it's not too late. We're all here. If you want to come up to Glenn or me or Eric as we sing and seek prayer that's fine that'd be great
but also we'll have prayer afterwards. So, um, yeah, thank you. Thanks, Joe.
Sing for the We thank you for your love toward us in Christ, the love you've shown and demonstrated toward us. We ask that that would be applied and expressed in our hearts this morning. Thank you for the way that you show your faithfulness to us. We ask that you continue to do that and to meet us in our place of need. For those that are here this morning, God, that you continue to minister to us by your Holy Spirit as we sing about grace and the cross and coming toward death.
So I just encourage you guys, if you guys are looking for prayer, we're going to have a prayer team over here on the side uh, just to extend the session that we were having there. I'm sure, Glenn, you're going to be over there as well. So if you'd like to be anointed with oil, you can join us over here on the side afterward. I pray for all of you guys. I pray you have an awesome week. Thank you for being here in worship with us today. Praise Jesus. Amen.